That was Dumbhead by the Charades, produced by Joe Meek in 1964. And it's a kind of witness to what is ultimately true in life. I mean, the fact that we live in a world where Dumbhead by the Charades could be produced by Joe Meek in London in 1964 in a tiny little <clears throat> sort of third floor flat in Islington, North London, which um, John Zoll and I, I think, can't remember if David was with us, but I visited twice in person. The fact that um, this could have occurred is such an empirical argument in favor of the existence of God that you might as well just stop all sort of um, secular worry about it because it's totally, unselfconsciously, spontaneously, and really extemporarily off on the margins so far <clears throat> that it proves that the world and the flesh and the devil are always skunked by the forces that come in from completely outside and yet without calculation. And this example, um, it's sort of, you know, we used to say that, well, you know, I mean, Attack of the Crab Monsters could be the greatest movie ever made. And I actually believe that because it, 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 it these elements of pop culture um, convey a hope of a non-scripted and non-constrained reality. Well, if you take me seriously, and I hope you do, and at the same time, I hope you don't, um, you'll be ready to hear what I have to say. And by the way, at the end of the cast will come the German language version of the Tornadoes, probably about 1963-64 also version of the um, follow-up quote, hit, end of quote, to Telstar, which was a genuine hit, also performed and created by Jeff Goddard and Joe Meek. And um, the German language version of Message from Venus is also, to me, a kind of empirical um, proof of the existence of God, because again, it comes off the uh, utterly off the margins of possibility and therefore says that what we see and hear with our eyes and touch with our um, fingers and experience with our skin from day to day is really um, only a partial truth. And uh, Message from Venus and Dumbhead uh, are something that uh, we really need to have to reckon with. Now, the reason I'm doing all this is because uh, the reason the song came to my mind is because I've been thinking, as you know, about the afterlife. And this is, by the way, exit uh, episode 346 of the podcast entitled, uh, drawing its uh, title from the charades, uh, uh, little known hit of 1964. The, um, the fact of people that you know dying, and especially, you know, it just has to be said as our bodies decline and you get to be the age that Mary and I are, and uh, it's a cliche but a totally true one, that many, many people whom we know are dying hopelessly, are dying, uh, you might say, having reaped the whirlwind of their long-term, um, really uh, downwardly uh, digressing, uh, descending life arc from a certain point, and a tremendous number of people die in clinical depression, despair, and um, aloneness, and hoarding, and um, really deep, deep disconsolation and uh, desperateness. And uh, this is the great question that this podcast at least wants to underline once again. The 
And this is, by the way, for someone in the second third of life. Most of the people who are listening to this cast are in the second third of life, I hope. Some in the third, but most uh, because Mockingbird reaches mostly people who, having found their, uh, sort of established their self, their ego in the first, uh, the the person they are psychogenetically in the first uh, third of life, are now sort of living that out and expressing that in the second third through career and family and vocation and position as Paula often says, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they, uh, they're sort of, you might almost say, obtuse or um, <clears throat> proof against uh, the issue facing them later on. And I understand that. I'm not, uh, this always sounds like a downer, but I'm not talking about the fear of death as such. I'm not talking about the fear of uh, annihilation or the simple, the fear of being yanked away from all that we love, although that is very much an active fear, but that tends to be um, put in kind of a um, amnesia, kind of a soporific state for 30 or 40 years, the, the, the fear of ultimate loss of body and loved ones and belovedness, that is kind of goes into a soporific state. As I said, you don't really think about it. You're not meant to. You're not really meant to. Someone we know <clears throat> had recently visited um, their uh, nephew and uh, grandnephews in hopes of uh, in hopes of bringing them some very interesting new information about uh, a, a grandmother, some wonderful, fascinating new information about their own grandmother that they thought would be interested in. And this poor guy was, he's so completely um, taken up in his wife with raising three small children and trying to make a way and make a living and move ahead in his career and life and house and mortgage and you name it. He proved to be really quite completely proof against, uninterested in this information about his grandmother. And it was sort of a shock to the person bearing the information. It's not me, it's not Mary, it's not a member of our family, but we heard this. And um, but we, the, the person bearing the information about it, a much older person um, should have understood that the degree of concern and interest was just sort of pushed out by all the daily concerns of someone in the second third of life. But the um, issue that cannot be um, pushed away and the issue in relationship to which so many uh, people I've known become dumbheads, and I mean this very strongly, they become dumbheads because they aren't asking the question which they will ask with total commitment at a certain point, sometimes just before death, the question of where are you going? Where are you going? What is next? Who am I after? Uh, This is a cliff I'm standing on called the point of the end of my physical life. To what? Towards what am I falling? The body uh, turning up and back and up and forth. All these people committing suicide from the 34th floor of a building in New York City these days or that bar from which two people in trouble, two men in trouble, have uh, thrown themselves off and killed themselves recently. Um... Where are they going? That's the great issue. And it's an issue that I think applies to all ages. Where am I going? And uh, it's not the question of the quality of life. And it's not a question of the loss of everything. People, relationships, belovedness, the past, work, self-interest, self-value, valuation, preciousness, um, and health, and finally life itself, physical life. The question that I want to uh, underline and for which there um, 
there must be, it must be asked. Question me an answer. What is it? Answer me a question. Uh, that song from Lost Horizon, 1973. By the way, a movie that is much better, the Burt Bacharach, um, um, Hal David uh, composed a song that was so panned when it came out. But it was panned because it's spiritual. It's about spiritual things. Of course it was panned by secular people. Uh, people who were not secular loved it for all its slightly campy mistakes. It's a very good movie because it's about the real thing. But the real thing... Of, uh, in relationship to which you do not want to be a dumb head is the question of uh, where am I going to San Francisco be sure to wear of a flower in your hair that's the question that I'm most concerned about right now and I want to just underline it for just a minute um, so a friend of mine as I said in the Ka episode you, whatever you think about the car possibility, the um, it is dealing directly. Dennis Wheatley's novel in the car of Gifford Hillary dealt directly with the question. Answer me a question, you know, and that's to his great credit. What happened to Gifford Hillary after he was hit over the head and murdered and drowned intentionally by his wife's lover? What happened to him? Not what happened prior to it, but what happened to him? That's the issue. And it's that uh, question that uh, has come so vividly to mind. I, um, one, two, four people that I know very well have died in the last two weeks. Four people whom I knew very well uh, have died, male and female, and um, they've all died. Where are they now? And this uh, woman who I cared for very deeply at one point in my life, wonderful person, when she died alone, I thought to myself afterwards, oh my gosh, I wish I could have just, just come to her house uh, before she died, when she was still with us in every way, because she was um, in, attent attentive and uh, taken her hand and just spoken to her about the Christian hope of union with God, forgiveness of sin, just, just call it forgiveness of life's vagaries and life's disappointments, let alone one's uh, accountability, as we say today, a responsibility for them, complete forgiveness because of the power of the Christian claim of what we believe one did once uh, and uh, did with thoroughness and completeness, the one full, perfect, sufficient sacrifice, satisfaction, and oblation, as the prayer book says, for the sins of the whole world, and also um, help to simply reassure that person of a golden future of the urge for belovedness and for being cherished and cherishing, being satisfied in union with that which created her and made her and gave her the wonderful qualities that were hers <clears throat> that perhaps may have been dimmed by later experience or later patterns, but were really always uh, generically uh, there, present, right to the end, and to be able to say that to someone. But unfortunately, the church, this is where I have a real beef, you know, the institutional church, at least the one in which I've grown up in, or the setting, is so focused on... Uh, 
be here now, you know, whether it's social progressivism or wokeness or uh, just trying to help the sins of the world, our, our, the, those conditions of the world. I uh, remember that the former president of the United States always was saying, we have to correct this so it never happens again. Gosh, I must have heard that 10, 15 times from a man who was well-meaning, I feel certain, when he said, we must correct this situation or this problem so that it never happens again. And uh, a, it will happen again, and B, that's important. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong that it will never happen again. But when you're, but, but we're talking about a soul here who will pass out of this world in which perhaps the problem will never happen again. I don't even want to get into the chances one way or the other. But when you leave, when you step off that cliff or are taken off that cliff or fall off that cliff, slip off that cliff, that's not, you're not worried about that. You're not worried about whether this or that condition of the time, important as it was at the time, and important maybe it will be to your children, possibly, but um, they may see it very differently. But um, you're really worried about where are you going? Are you going to San Francisco and will you wear a flower in your hair? That's the only issue that matters. And uh, when I saw <clears throat> this person, I thought of this person and the wonderful qualities that were in this person's character and demeanor and inner life. And I wanted to say to her, as I had said to the woman who's, who was dying in New York City years ago, the older lady, what will heaven be like? And I said, well, just think of the, think of the way you felt the, the, at that moment, which you've just told me about, Mrs. So-and-so, when you said that the high point of your life was uh, walking down the little aisle in your New York City apartment with Dr. Bowie of Grace Church downtown. <coughs> and your husband to be in five minutes, and the extraordinary sense of contentment, well-being, and hope, and belovedness, and love that you felt coming out of yourself as you approached his warm and embracing face, let alone the shining countenance of the rector of Grace Church, who was a wonderful man. And that's what it will be like. That will be the character of your life with God. And hold on to that. And she died, you know, within 24 hours, less, 18 hours, maybe 12 hours of hearing that. She sank back. And I want to say that to people. Think of it that way. Where are you going? I was talking to someone else whose funeral I'll be performing in a few months somewhere. And the widow was saying the numero uno concern, where is the husband? The husband whom she loved with all her heart, soul, and body and mind. Where, where is he now? Might she see him again? Under what circumstances? Where is he happy? Is he able to reach out? Is he somewhere? Is he provided for? Is, uh, is God doing for him what she can no longer do with him in the now, in this world? That's the only question that is matters. And we uh, Christians have something to say. And it disappoints me so much when the church, it's not a right wing or left wing uh, matter. Um, I don't like it when people say, oh, the right is as bad as the left or the left is as bad as the right. I don't see it that way. I definitely think the primary fault is on one side of that uh, that uh, two-sided uh, problem, but <clears throat> that's not the point at all. The point is um, the what the church uh, needs to be affirming is the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of all those things uh, which make our lives stressful and miserable and the burdens and the onuses of guilts of a million different sorts, mostly internal and mostly here and now, quote, end of quote, that uh, kibosh are uh, aspirations for love and fulfillment and uh, union, union, connectedness, all those words. Um, 
and uh, the confidence that God takes us as he brought us into this world. He takes us out of this world and restores us to a place of complete uh, praise and unity and happiness and serenity and fulfillment and J.S. Bach-like inspiration in the kingdom of heaven with him, a la the book of Revelation. And that's where we have something to contribute that is unique on both those fronts, forgiveness and the hope of heaven, and we don't do it. So we, we are dumbheads, and the people who are focused on the here and now are like the charades. Well, I'm going to end it right now with a, another empirical proof of the existence of God, if you'll humor me, uh, from the tornadoes from 1964, I think, the follow-up of Deutsch to the massive hit Telstar. Empfangen soeben Signale von der Venus, die sich wie Orgelmusik anhören. Es ist somit möglich, dass es auf der Venus Lebewesen gibt. 